This podcast is part of the Zeo to Hero Podcast Network. AvenuePodcast.net. This is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. I want to encourage all of you out there to listen to Give a Dad a Podcast. And remember, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Hello, all my beautiful people. It is time for another episode of If You Give a Dad a Podcast. And this is actually my last interview recorded episode of the year. You will find another one just a little later in this week. It's going to be a little different. But this one is the last interview that I do of the year. And it was with somebody that I really enjoyed talking to. And that is Travis Trueborn. He is known as the Iron Referee. He has refed all over the area. He's got about 20 years experience in the business. And I'm very excited to talk with him today. We talk about all kinds of stuff. We kind of just run the gambit when it comes to different subjects on this show. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. And for those of you who are here just to listen to the Travis Trueborn episode, welcome. I hope that you enjoy what you hear. And I hope that you stick around and listen to some of the other great episodes I have here as well. So if you guys are as excited as I am, then let's get this show on the road. If you give a dad a podcast. Hey, Dad. So where did you actually train at? I made a really good career out of being able to bump, sell, and I had a punch-me face. I wasn't about to call you Dad, so... (laughs) Seriously? I felt like I was in an anime or something. People get really mad at those videos. For some reason, like, it triggers certain people. Yeah. Wow. I was actually lost as an independent, and I was taken in by a traveling group of independent wrestlers. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited for this one. Bro! You get punched in the face all the daily. Do you always do these interviews with your shirt off? <laughs> what? Man, this guy won't shut up. 3S360 Moment Video Booth. What it is, is it's something unique. It's not like a regular photo booth. You can put these at any event, whether it be a large one or a small one, and people can make their own videos. What you do is you stand on this platform, and there's a camera that goes all the way around you. You can have people on there with you to do goofy poses or whatever it is. But what it does is it makes these events memorable. We all know that we want to make memories when we do this. We take pictures, we take videos. So what this does is it helps you to make a very unique experience. And the cool thing is, is when you have this device there, it is immediately shareable to your own devices. So reach out to 3S360 Moments Video Booth today to get them at your next big event. You can reach them at 3S360 Moments Photo Booth at gmail.com. I will have the email address in my show notes, but to make those events memorable, to have that unique experience, get them out there today. All right, everybody. So this is actually my last recording of 2023. The next episode that you're going to hear will be something completely different, but I'm very excited about this one. It's uh, actually, this one was somebody who was referred to me by Thrash. As you know, he was my Christmas episode last year, and we talked about Christmas metal music and all kinds of stuff. Well, he told me about this man and said that he has somewhere around 20 years uh, in the business and has all kinds of stories. 
and uh, would love to hear some of those. And I thought that was a great idea. He is known as the Iron Referee. He's a Texas-based referee. He works with Matt War Pro, uh, MPX, and many other places as well. I'm talking about Travis Trueborn. Man, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm. Uh, like I said, I'm excited for this one. Uh, I had Thrash on here, like I said, last year, and uh, he sent me a message one day, and he was like, hey, I have a request for you. I was like, okay. And, you know, I kind of knew about you because I uh, watch MPX and uh, things like that. So I, I was okay. aware of who you were, but um, I'd never talked to you before uh, he had uh, brought that up. So I'm glad that we're here now to where we can kind of, you know, talk about everything that you've done. Oh, well, well we, have we got a lot? Have we got enough time? I hope so. Let's see. <laughs> Might want to open up a six pack for this one. Uh, let's see. <laughs> well, good night, everybody. No. Um, well, <laughs> well, basically for me, I, I, uh, I started really I guess I guess I started back in I want to say 2000, um, 1999 to a little bit after 2000, a little bit 2000, 2001. Okay. And um, I, I jumped into uh, working security for NWA Southwest, and now I'm currently a referee. Okay. Uh, for everybody else, that, that's yeah. a story within itself. <laughs> so, how did you did you get into wrestling as, like everybody else at a young age, or what was your thing that drew you to wrestling? You know what is funny? My dad was like flipping channels one day. Like I knew what wrestling was and who Hulk Hogan was and Ultimate yeah. Warrior. I really wasn't really watching uh, a whole bunch back then um, when I was really, really young. Because I'm 43 years old, so do the math on that. I'm, <clears throat> I was born in 1980. I started learning about wrestling right around 1983 is when WrestleMania first happened. And I think that's when it was kind of, you know, the, the talk of, the talk on TV and at some point around the kids that I was hanging around with, everybody had at least a Hulk Hogan, Sergeant Slaughter doll or something like that. Hulk yeah. and Andre the giant doll. <laughs> and I, I, I just thought they were action figures. I didn't know what they were. I had to stop, you know, Hey, everybody's got toys. Yay. <laughs> and then, and then like, um, probably about two years later, I'm over at a friend's house. We're staying, I'm staying the night, you know, we're just little kids, you know, little, your best friend, staying with your best friend, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he turns on this wrestling show, and I started watching. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. But we didn't have if we had cable, I had no idea how to watch it on TV, and I wasn't really kind of interested at the time when I was at like five years old or something like that. Yeah. Fast fast forward till I'm about 12, 13 years old. Bret Hart, and uh, he's starting. He just, I think, Bret Hart just won an opportunity to uh, face. Um, so, uh, uh, face, I want to say it was, can't remember who it was at the champion time, but he, he, Brett had won an opportunity to, uh, challenge for the world heavyweight title on WWE. Owen Hart was very physically upset about that whole ordeal. And I, that whole storyline in itself was just what hooked me into it. I was like, what's going to happen next? And then, um, sure enough, over a period of time, Bob Backlund comes into it. And it just, it, I just, it just took off for me from there. You know, I just, I was just hooked. I just started, I would watch wrestling no matter what channel it was on or, yeah. or who it was. WCW kind of came into play when I started to find out who Ric Flair was. I had had friends that, that knew that I started to watch wrestling because I started talking about it at school. And then someone had mentioned to me what, um, about the, uh, scaffold match between 
the uh, I think it was the I want to say it was the Midnight Express versus the uh, the Road Warriors, and it was just mm-hmm. I got to sit back and watch that that eighty five that I think it was either 85, 86 um, scaffold match. I want to can't remember what the pay per view was, but um, but I remember watching that and just this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Fast forward till about maybe I was about 15 years old. I'm watching everything. I'm recording things. Um, I got a friend of mine that's got one of those black boxes and he's got the Madison Square Garden channel. So I'm picking up oh, ECW okay. back then in the early 90s, like when I'm a freshman in high school. You know? Yeah. Right around 1996, 97 is when NWA Southwest opened its doors over here in North Russian Hills. And then okay. I started to attend those shows there. Um, so I would go every I would go every Friday night. Of course, as a kid, oh, I, I failed to mention this. My as a kid, you know, my my grandparents used to watch, you know, the Global Championship Wrestling on TV. So it was always the Von Erickson, Skandar Akbar, and all those guys up there. Great stuff. So, I mean, it's just it was just it's hard for me to really kind of say the whole issue how wrestling just kind of like fell into my lap. It was like a part of my whole life you know, in it some sort, like- in some form or another. Yeah. It seems like it was all around you the entire time. So it's almost destined yeah. that you were going to do this. And no matter where I went, something about wrestling was coming up. And it was just like, okay, fine. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take a view of this. Really? I mean, come on. <laughs> fine. You got me. I'll be at the wrestling gods. I will pay attention. So, um, <laughs> so I started, I started looking into it. And then, you know, um, one day I'm watching TV and, I never had any aspirations to be a wrestler until after I had seen um, this guy, Mankind, show up. And then Mick yeah. Foley was probably, I, in my opinion, was the greatest character as Mankind. Yeah. And then um, I just, I fell in love with that because, of course, I knew who he was from ECW. And I knew who he was from World Championship Wrestling. But the Mankind character, it's the very, the very, you know, Based version of what mankind was supposed to have been and where he came from that character just really sat with me right and and it, it wasn't it was a different character altogether because he was doing it not for his sake but for your sake you know yes. it wasn't yeah. about it was never about you know what he had to gain out of it he had he had he didn't feel like he had anything to gain. he had to do it because he couldn't stand the way others perceived them as being greater than someone as low as he was so right. he had to bring people down to himself. It's almost like a Raven character in a way. Yeah. But yeah. in this case, it was just a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more maniacal, I guess, in, in some sort of way. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, innocent in a way. Innocent, very innocent. He was a heel character to me that I thought was a very innocent character, which was a very layered view of that whole character and everything else like that. So I just, and then watching the matches he did, and then you see the hatch off the cage, and you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> later on he writes a book and i the first thing i do uh after i, I and i've been at this point i'm probably a senior in high school or something like that and i'm talking about being a professional wrestler at this point because i'm going to wrestling shows every friday i don't care what it is i will take off work to go watch wrestling um i got involved with the tape trading people you know with all that and trying to find out who had what um and somewhere Somewhere I still have videos that you know people had given me probably years after the whole tape trading thing had happened, and our video had basically killed that whole ordeal. And oh, yeah. um, I uh, 
I, I have videos that somebody had I that somebody had given me because um, I I loved watching videos that nobody got to see. You know, episodes yeah. of things that nobody else got to see, like the fan cam stuff from ECW. Yeah, that was you know some of that stuff is some of the best matches you never see live on TV. Right. Um, and and any wrestler will tell you this. Anytime you're not being filmed, some of the best wrestling matches are, are in front of probably a handful of people or a whole bunch of people that nobody recorded. Yeah, and it's the saddest thing too because some of that stuff is gold. And if it had made airways somewhere, it would have been great. You know, I actually have uh, somebody who I've been looking for this. There is a copy of it somewhere, but there was a match between uh, Jason Jones and Tim Rockwell. And I guess it was a street fight. And everybody tells me how great this match was. And there was one person that recorded it, but nobody can find the recording for it. And that, isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> it's, if we could find the recording. I know. <laughs> you know, you know just in case the Tampa Bay Bucks weren't put on on top of it for whatever reason, no one put a piece of tape over it. Yeah, you know, don't want the don't need the greatest hit don't need the greatest hits of of of, of Golden Girls being recorded over on top of this because he couldn't stand to watch that match. I mean, I, I have to know. I have yeah. to know. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, graduated high school. Went to college. Very next day. The, I started college the very next day. Started mm-hmm. working full time. I was just miserable where yeah. I was at. All, all I did was watch wrestling and talk about wrestling, think about wrestling, going to work. And you know, I was a vendor and I was you know working for a major soda company at the time. And I was you know loading, I was filling up the grocery shelves with product and everything else. And it, it got to the point to where I was just so miserable that it started to started to kind of physically act out on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, eventually. Um, an opportunity came along for for me to move back up here to the Fort Worth area, uh-huh. and uh, I got in. I got in, I got here, and no sooner did I get here that I started, you know, associating all my my friends from high school back then, and um, my friend Cody. And I'll give him credit to this because my friend Cody Wiggins, uh, that I went to high school with, he's probably the 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 guy that um, was my foot in the door. <clears throat> Needless to say, he's like, "Hey, man," so. You know that wrestling show that's over off over off of twenty six? I said, Yeah. I was like, Well, do you wanna do you wanna like go work that show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you're my cousin and uh we're gonna make sure that we can get you in because you keep you in the family. Oh, because that's how you did it back then. I mean yeah. back in back in the early earlier twenty years ago, yep. you had to know somebody to get in a lot of times. I mean, you could you could get in to the wrestling business and work for a show, but to get in to work for a show was they can't, I mean, they did everything they could to, to protect it. At the time right. Cause right. it was, it was hotter than na- it was hotter than nails on a tin roof back then. And, um, at that time there were three organizations. There were, um, countless other independent shows that were going on time. Everybody's trying to make it to the big time. Everybody's stepping on each other's feet. Yeah. Everything they could do. I mean, it was, it was cutthroat. It was yeah. real big cutthroat business. But everybody respected one another. But it was a cutthroat business, you know. You did you did what you had to do to do it to get yourself out there, right? And um, the guys were different back then. The guys that were training back then were different. Uh, these kids nowadays are coming up. They got they didn't they didn't have the type of training that I had, you know. Um, I worked for NWA Southwest as the as security, and then I got onto the uh, actual video crew. Um, somewhere in between there. Texas Championship Wrestling started renting the building on a Friday night. 
And it was owned by a guy by, by the name of John Allen. And John Allen had actually bought the company from somebody else at the time. Mm. And um, on Friday nights, he would rent out the building so that he could, um, he could, you know, produce his show, Texas right. Championship Wrestling. Well, yeah. I had was wanting to start going to school. I wanted to learn how to do this. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I wanted to be, you know, the, the biggest thing since sliced bread. You know, yeah. I was going to be the next mankind. In my mind, I was going to be the next mankind. <laughs> and uh that yeah it was, wasn't long after that when i first met chris richter and uh discovered how green he was back then met a bunch of guys from the indie circuit at that point um of course necro necro butcher was working there dylan was working there okay um uh, was, yeah when necro butcher was was facing off against john allen who had the cookie monster gimmick thing going on that was an interesting gimmick. <laughs> I've heard about that. Yeah, I've never seen it. He would come. He, his theme music, his interest music was "C is for Cookie" and that's good enough for me. He would come out tossing Oreos <laughs> and chips of boy cookies to everybody, and then he would have a hardcore match and bleed all over the place, and then go hug kids and kiss babies. Oh uh, my gosh! Right. <laughs> Covered in blood. Yeah, Talk it was confusing. It, it, <laughs> it was cathartic to say the least. Yeah, um, but. And I owe it to John Allen because I, I had talked to him. I said, hey, look, I want to learn how to be a professional wrestler. I want to you know, start in this business. I'm not getting an opportunity uh, the way I would like to. And I had talked to Ken Taylor about it. I had talked to Ken about the school and everything. But Ken Taylor was, you know, uh, I mean, he's a great – He's he was a good promoter for what he does. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, One thing I try not to do is I try not to talk bad about anybody. I don't want to – Right give to anybody but i, I will because i don't want that i don't want that karma to happen to me you know right um but you know ken just didn't seem like he was more into it for the financial means and not so much for the educational means and he's going to have his guy teach and at the time i don't know i was lazy i guess at the time i didn't really res- i didn't know how to respect it you know the business and everything like that but the guy that was teaching uh Jeremy Young, and it was it Jeremy Young. I want to say it was Jeremy Young. I was teaching at the time, and I just didn't like the way he worked and his his mantra about wrestling. So, and I said I came to one of his classes and I saw him teaching. You know, if it, had it been Kit Carson or Chris Germany, I would have been there all day long. I, I I wouldn't have any problem with that. But yeah, those two guys they stopped. They just stopped, and Chris Chris Germany taken over, and um and. Uh, was it Chris Germany? Yeah, I'm not Chris Germany. It was a, uh, it was a uh, Jeremy Young had taken over, and I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go to that school. So I started going to, uh, on Friday nights, I started going to Texas Championship Wrestling. So a couple hours before the actual wrestling show, um, I got to have my classes, and there was a couple guys in there that were teaching me. John would, John Allen would be in there to teach me. Uh, uh, BJ Turner was in there to train me a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, a guy and, and and a guy by the name of Kit, uh, Pitbull Kevin Dark uh, was teaching me at that point, especially Kevin Dark. And Kevin Dark is a, you know, I don't not that many people know about him, but you know, if you do know about Kevin, he was probably a very. I mean, he was a he was an all pro. He was a I wouldn't say he was an all pro, but he was a very good football player. And in high in his high school years, and in his and I think part of his college years, and then he started doing. Uh, uh, he was a he was a pro bull rider clown for a long time, and uh, that, yeah. I mean he's just he's just he's just 
he's but he's one of those calm cool and very you know nice guys you know and uh but he's a blood but when you put him in the ring you know ring the bell he's a bloodthirsty animal i mean that's just the way that guy was <laughs> right he just looked like he would eat he would just tear you apart he just beats be, he would never go out of his way to hurt me but he always he always made sure that uh, you know he, he i understood you know right. the what we do in the business yeah not long after that john allen uh it was it was probably a few months into the school when I found out John Allen was selling his his part of the company to Knight Davis, and I had had the option to um, train with Knight Davis at his school in Denton. They were moving the company into Denton, or yeah. John could take me over to go visit his trainer, and I could train with him. His trainer was Killer Tim Brooks. I said oh. okay. So I had my options at that point, but I was like, you know, why why would I need options? I was just gonna do both. Yeah. So for so I'm working a full time job, putting in sixty hours a week, Whew. driving all over Fort Worth as a vendor, and then I turn around, go go back to the warehouse, clock out, drive all the way to Waxahachie, or drive all the way to Denton, uh-huh. drive all the way back to. You know, I was living in Northwestern Hills at the time, and I'm driving, which is if nobody knows where I lived, and it's kind of like a it's an hour drive no matter what, you know, each way, and it's uh-huh. two opposite ways. You either go north to Denton or I go south to Waxahachie, and um, there were times when I just after driving so much, you just forget your own way. You don't even know where you're going anymore. And I got to the point to where uh, not only did I, could I drive with my eyes closed, but I just knew where to go. And I would go train at Killers. I would go train it with, with with Kevin Dark. And then one day, I'm I'm uh, I'm t- I'm having an early lunch break, early day off from my vendor job. Yeah. And I run into uh, a girl by the name of. Uh, Claudia, Jackie, who okay. um, was uh, Angel of Mercy Jackie, who was a female wrestler at the time for uh-huh. um, PCW. Uh, she was married to a wrestler at one point, and um, at the time, she was pregnant with her first child, and I said, uh, or second child, excuse me, and I said, hey, uh, I happened to run into her at the restaurant she was working at one day, and uh, we struck up a conversation. It's like, hey, I've been doing this training thing for about about, about a year and a half or so, I was like, is there any place that I can go get a start at? Well, um, she told me that NPCW was doing in Arlington, um, uh-huh. which was, you know, I don't know if you know about what PCW was. You know, PCW was an organization that at one time uh, was run by a by the, by the Bussy family. They had their own TV show called The Bussy Bunch. They had... They had a wrestling TV show on uh, my twenty-seven for years running, and okay. and it I came in right around the end of their um, contract with the uh, my the UPN my twenty-seven uh, uh-huh. channel that they were on, and so I never got to be on the the television uh-huh. um, statewide television that they had, but barely however, missed it. Barely missed it. Just <laughs> got in there. Day late and a dollar short. You know how it is. <laughs> so I, I get there and I had talked to Jackie and Jackie had got me in touch with Terry Stevens, who was a referee, head referee over PCW at that point. And, you know, Terry had given me a call. I said, hey, man, uh, you go t- go there and talk to a man by name. We call him Goo. Goo? Is it? Yeah, that's his name. Goo. All right, fine. I'll go talk to Goo. I don't know who this Goo guy is. And I'm thinking Goo is some short guy just by the name. You know, I'm thinking, no, no, Goo is this, you know, 
it's a six foot red headed, just built like built like a steam like a steamroller. <laughs> How do you guy. get the name Goo? <laughs> I don't I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either. And um, but he used to be a tag uh, one, the tag partner for a guy by the name of Hellraiser Hark. Uh-huh. And they were the Hellraisers, and they were you know um, they were big then. And uh, I started working as a uh, referee because they didn't at first I was going to be a manager or a re announcer or something like that and I was like well I brought my referee gear in case you needed me he's like well we don't have a referee tonight that's good why don't you get in there and uh, why don't you get in there and try that out I was like okay fine I wanted to be a wrestler man I wanted to be a wrestler I've always wanted to be a wrestler but they were so many guys and there was nobody to be a zebra and so I took it upon myself at that point on a Friday night knowing it was a student show and I'm not getting paid for this I was like whatever I'll pay my dues pay my dues i was the only referee the entire night the entire night. wow you must have been tired I, then oh man it was shit, you want to talk about worn out i was <laughs> worn out and then some yeah i, I bet <laughs> i feel like i ran a marathon but elated at to say the least because it, i was finally doing something that i've always wanted to do and i was happy and right i was just having so much fun being a part of that and then yeah kind of honing my craft on a friday eventually the Saturday show that was having TV, which I was not allowed to be in the locker room at the time. Yeah. One day I just randomly showed up at the lock to the tape, uh, to a taping and, uh, they had taped the show and, um, that's when they made the announcement. They're not going to be having TV anymore. And that's when you started to kind of see the guys that were on TV, just kind of not take bookings anymore on Saturday nights there. Right. Um, and it was right around that time when Richard Hill started taking over the booking for uh, PCW at the time. And he was booking for both Friday and Saturday nights. And, um, or not Friday and Saturday nights, but he was, he booked for Friday and Saturday nights. And then he took some time off to just do Saturday to focus on that. Yeah. I think it had something to do with work or whatever. And Goo was, had taken over as the um, Friday night booker, you know, at the time. So, okay. Goo had given me a whole bunch, a whole bunch of opportunity to just work wrestling, and nobody wanted to be a referee, so it was just me. <laughs> it was just me all, every Friday night, and then I got an opportunity to go work another show on a on a on a Sunday, or on a set. Was it on Sunday? On a Friday and a Sunday, usually uh, with uh, with David Fuller, who had a show out in Halton City at the time, and uh, so I was doing on Friday nights. <clears throat> I would leave work and I'd be at Fuller's by four o'clock to start the show by five, finish the show by seven, drive all the way to Arlington, start the show by eight, leave there by 10 30 to come back home, get up and go to work and do it all over again. And, Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was, it, it had been really fun. It, it was really fun back then. I you, just, you definitely have to have a love time. for it to uh, be able to, you know, take all of that time out to do it i mean there has to be a passion and a love for this business to be able to even justify it in your own mind you know oh absolutely i mean i love wrestling right wrestling has done as much as i've given to wrestling it has given me back in in a different form um it's given me uh the ability to actually socialize a lot better like i would not be having this conversation with you right now if, if i was the same guy when i first started at all Really? I, I was so yeah i was so afraid of everything yeah i was afraid of myself i was afraid of, i was afraid of hurting people i was afraid of getting hurt yeah i was afraid of hurting people 
And gotcha. um, that was one thing that I, I had to get over. And um, being in around the boys with all those, with a lot of guys that had egos, but, you know, in all rights, you know, you know, you back then you used to talk about how that guy has a big ego, whatever, you know. Yeah, well, there's a reason why you have it. It's because we care enough about this business in order for us to keep going. So, right. Um, there are certain things that we that we that we appreciate about it. We have this vision, and sometimes our visions don't mesh well with other people, and it doesn't make sense. But it it's just a matter of communication when it comes right down to it. And that's what that was ultimately when I found out that was the hardest thing. Is people didn't know how to communicate back then. Yeah. But the show, the, but I, I'll never regret working with. Uh, I'll never regret working both those nights, even. Um, through the transitions of Friday nights when um, Steve DeMarco took over as Booker after Richard, I decided to you know kind of take a step back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Steve DeMarco took over, oh man, that, that 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 just opened the floodgates for some more fun, and we got some more talent in, and we got some new guys that came in. Um, and we had, you know, I got the opportunity because of PCW, I got the opportunity to work with bigger names like Abyss and Sabu. And, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I got to work with um who's another person I got to work with besides you know everybody else, Mike Fox, out uh Axel Jackson, who was in you know, he's a namesake for from, yeah. from Texas anywhere. Yeah. I got to work with, you know, and I used to watch AJ over in WA Southwest, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I to fast forward um and be able to work at MPX not long after that. Oh, a little ways after that, when I got to meet Dexter Hardaway, who worked at NWA Southwest back then, yeah. too. And I used to watch him in tag matches, <laughs> get, getting the tar beat out of him by Bobby Too Bad. I mean, it was just the greatest thing I ever seen. And, um, but anyway, sorry, I don't mean to go off on a tangent like that. I do that sometimes. So oh, no, that's, that's totally fine. You know, uh, you've brought up a few names, though, uh, on here and that I wanted to talk about and everything. And one of them is Dexter Hardaway uh actually mm-hmm. so i've had him on the show as well and everything and he recently was inducted into the wfc hall of fame and uh you mm-hmm. know he has a very storied career he's done a lot in wrestling um but the uh one of the very first things so whenever i started doing my research for this um the very did you know the very first video that pops up whenever you uh google you is when uh dexter tried to pants you yeah <laughs> so uh, whose idea was to, to use that as part of the match that was strictly all dexter <laughs> all ad lib all oh, yeah. ad lib yeah he he totally did that all ad lib <laughs> and um yeah yeah that was all him that was and he and he basically said hey you know i might just do that you know jokingly you know at first like yeah right yeah you're not gonna do it he totally did it he totally did it Uh, he's a fun guy you know uh when i had him on here though we ended up talking about baseball for probably over half of the whole episode he's a he's a huge baseball nut i mean huge nut. man he goes to all the games and stuff too i mean like i think during baseball season that's all you see on like his facebook is just uh you know him going to the games yeah, you know what? He actually had given me and and uh, this girl that I was dating at the time um, some tickets to go watch the Ranger game. He had come across some extra tickets. And, oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, he uh, and it was cool too because we had never been to the new ballpark and uh-huh. um, got to go around, 
run around the ballpark a little bit and get to shoot the breeze with him and talk baseball with him for a little bit. Yeah. But it was kind of, for me, it's kind of surreal because <clears throat> here I am. I remember watching him as a 16, 17 year old kid. <laughs> yeah. And he's already, he's in the ring. You right. know, and he was one of the guys I used to, I mean, like, I, emul- I, I really liked watching live, you know. Right. He was one of the, probably the first people I saw wrestling live in, in what was a live wrestling event. Yeah. I hadn't been to a live wrestling event before uh, going to NWA Southwest. Yeah. Um, and that was the, um, you know, watching. So it was kind of, to me, it was kind of surreal because I got, to, I got to be with the guy that I, that I used to cheer for. He was the underdog, you know, for most yeah. of the matches he ever did. When he, you know, went up against it, he was, he once did a match against Brett Bones one time. And, um, and he was, you know, the underdog going in and he won, he won the match. And it was just like that place erupted whenever he won and he wasn't supposed to, he, it didn't seem like he was supposed to win that match. Yeah. Everybody in that, everybody in the arena thought he was going to lose. It's just one of the greatest things. And, but you were talking about t- telling a story. That guy can tell you some stories oh, about yeah. about some wrestling and baseball. But he yeah. loves catching baseball. You know that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, half of the stuff he posted was, here's another ball that I caught, you know. So, <laughs> but um, Loves cats, too. Loves cats. Yes, loves. Yes. He's a cat guy. He told me he wanted to right. do an episode with um, – uh, with Justin Lee, we're uh, on here where they talk about cats. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I haven't set that one up yet. You know, I've had I've actually had Justin on here three times, and one of it was a two part episode because we talked for almost three hours. Good lord! Yeah. So, but we was talking about Batman. So you know, I mean, that's a a lengthy subject. That's a good subject. Right. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> that's a lengthy subject. subject. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I actually had, um, oh, Angel Camacho was on here. And whenever he found out about that, he was booing that we were talking about Batman. So, you know, staying true to Hill character, I guess. Of course. Of course he would. <laughs> of course he would. <laughs> I love Angel. He's a great dude. Oh, he, yeah. He, him and his family, they're, they're all just good people. And, you know, he's been watching his. Every time, every time he comes to the show, it's always it's, it's always good to see him. Yeah, uh, I don't like him in the ring. You know, I don't I don't care for him in the ring. He's mean. He's yeah, ugly. But it's like a switch for him. You know, it is. It's very much so it, a switch. <laughs> it's a switch. It's just like it's just like Hulk Hogan versus Rocky is what it is. Thunderlips. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Thunderlips character. Yeah. What's all that craziness back there? That's the name <laughs> of the game. You know, that's that's Angel. That's just Angel Camacho for you. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean. The very first time I, uh, you know, was backstage with him, he's the one I walked back there and uh, all of a sudden I hear him talking about something. They're talking about Disney movies. I'm like, it was such a surreal moment. I'm like, I'm back here backstage talking with uh, Jace Osei and Angel Camacho about Disney movies. The level of conversations that happens in the back of wrestling shows will never cease to amaze me. Yeah, and upon the level where I, I can physically walk up to a conversation and realize that this is way too intelligent for me <laughs> to be around, and I will walk away. Yeah, because <laughs> when people seem to sound like they know what they're talking about, and I have like a very small, I minute idea of what they're talking about with a very little idolized opinion, uh-huh. which means absolutely nothing to this conversation and it brings nothing toward it. <laughs> I'm just gonna go find somebody else to talk to because that's just what I do. <laughs> I just I don't want to. One thing I don't like. Uh, one thing I don't like 
something stupid. And that, that would have been the moment that I would look completely unintelligent whatsoever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's just funny because then, you know, you have other people that walk up and they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, well, this is my favorite movie, you know. And it's, that was, like I said, it was my first time backstage because, uh, you know, I, I've been working with a local company here uh, doing backstage correspondent. And um, yeah. The conversations, like you said, it, it just kind of blows you away the what you come across. Uh, the only thing that I usually contribute a lot of times to uh, conversations is usually whenever um, <clears throat> things in my life are going pretty well and I can actually sit down and actually I, fo- I can focus on certain things because I have ADD yeah. brain. I get things so quickly. I got um, you. And, it, and it's it's. And that's why a lot of times I go over the matches quite a bit with the guys because I want to know what's going to happen a lot of times when we're doing things. And I don't want them to – I don't want to take away from their match or take all the heat away from them. Right. But oftentimes oftentimes enough, I'm playing into the character of being an official yeah. and can do that. And I get the – and I'll be – I'll do respect to the people that come to watch our shows. And, they, and then I get the – I get the they start chanting my name for standing up for myself or something like that. Yeah. But it, it, it kind of, I, I feel bad because, you know, I don't want to take the heat away from the boys because that's the important story that they need to take. And I'm not trying to do that whatsoever. So if there's any misunderstanding with that, I need to let that out right now. But yeah, um, well, I'm I mean, always about making sure the boys look good. So, there, you know, there's a name that comes to mind whenever you say that. And <laughs> there were tons of good matches that happened with him in there. And he did the very same thing. And that's Earl Hebner. You know, he was very well known for being the guy that you didn't mess with when you were in the ring. You know, he fought back. And so, you know, I mean, that doesn't I don't feel that that takes away from the story as much as it is. You're just asserting your authority because you are the authority in the ring at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's and that's all because of Frankie Fisher. That's his fault. Uh, (laughs) That's how this whole thing started. Yeah. And. It, it, it's really it, let me just get to the point to how i got the mps <laughs> <laughs> okay so frankie fisher was actually a part of pcw at one time you know and uh um he was going through training and everything else there and was going through school and he had actually had been a fan at that show for the longest time and he finally started wrestling okay and he had the whole schoolboy gimmick he actually came back to the say by the bell uh tune and uh oh came out gosh. wearing a backpack yeah, I mean, because he was in school. Yeah, and then finally, finally at the at the end of our at the end of the towards the end of where he got to uh, where PCW was about to shut down, he finally graduated high school and went to college. <laughs> and so we started playing the new. So he started playing a whole different song with him whenever he would, whenever he would uh, come out. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, you know, it, it, he would be like him versus. Aaron Eagle and you know his brother Cub or something like that, and he right. have a tag team partner like I don't know maybe Carrie and Kane or maybe Stephen Murphy somebody. Yeah, and Frankie was always the guy that would just say the say the most silliest, most you know sarcastic and just just off the off cuff jackass types of things to say. <laughs> yeah, that it just got progressively worse as he became more and more of an adult and. um and he's just he's just being himself. You know, that's just the thing about Frankie. He was just extending upon that person personality that he is. I mean, he's a really nice guy. He's a great dude. Yeah. Uh, I've got nothing bad to ever say about him. He helps everybody he can, but he's you know, he's a grown man. He 
takes care of his own. He's always he's taken care of himself since he was seventeen, basically. Oh wow! So I mean, um, yeah. So he um, had to grow he's, up quick. He's, yeah, he grew up pretty quick. But you yeah. know, he's also just a big kid at heart at the same time, and he loves wrestling and he loved where you know he was at. And eventually, when he became this, when he started the, this whole jackass gimmick, it started because I'm the guy in there, and I'm so easy to pick on, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm such the I'm such the target by him. Yeah, I, I just took it for a long time, and finally, finally, somewhere in me, like for shoot, really just cracked. And and he's like, you know what, you were a terrible referee, and then I just yelled back, and well, you're just a total jackass. And then the crowd <laughs> is like, whoa. <laughs> I was legitimately hot, angered at him at that point. Legitimately oh, hot. Angered. I okay. wasn't gonna. I was gonna. I wasn't angry to the point that we were. I was gonna fight the guy, but I was right, angry because right. it's like I'm tired of this. You're making me look like an asshole the yeah. entire time I'm out here. I'm like I'm not that guy. Yeah. And um, and I have been and, you know from the places I've been, the things that I've seen. That's just I don't take care. Of, I don't. I don't take that much anymore. I used to when I was younger, but like no, I just can't anymore. I'm too grown for that. And yeah. finally, I started to stand up for myself, and it became a thing of its own. It just became a thing of its own one day. Yeah. And um, it, it was at some point he and I had talked about where, you know, eventually I would finally get my comeuppance with him. Yes. And that's whenever we had the, 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 uh, the other, we had another referee come in and, you know, try to, you know, he, he would hire his own referee. That knew how to count, knew how to t- take care of the things, <laughs> which in the form of, of Matthew Fisher, I think at that point at the first, and then uh, here I here I am, I come out and I stop him, yeah, and stop the three count that he was supposed to because he was cheating to win, he was cheating right? To win, so I, I couldn't stand for that. I'm I'm not the kind of referee. I, I'm yeah. senior ref. I can't allow that to happen. Not on exactly. my watch, not, not at Purple Rain. So I run out there and I'm like, no, we're not going to do this. So he goes count three. I stop three count. Pull him up, and I tell him he pushes me. I said, "You don't push me." So I pushed him back. He went to give me a. He went to give me something. Gave him a kick, stunned him right in the middle of the ring. And I was like, "That that's when everything changed for me. I just became that guy, you know, and I became that old Hebner like character." And um, is that where you get oh, the Iron Referee uh, moniker from? No, I get the Iron Referee. No, the Iron Referee moniker was basically because when I started at PCW, like I said, I was doing the show by myself. Gotcha. I did that for a year, uh, roughly about a year or so by myself. I was, at, one, at some point, uh, about three or four months into it, I was doing not only the whole Friday night show by myself, I was doing the Friday night and the Saturday night show all by myself. Oh, wow. So, I, yeah, I was just doing the whole show by myself consistently. And it, okay. was, through the su- and it was through the summer months, through the, into the winter, and then... They finally get another referee for a little bit, then he quit, and then, he, then I keep going. You know. So every night was kind of like an Iron Man match for you, then. For me, it was. Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. For me, it was, and I've I've consistently known for like working entire wrestling shows for you know all by myself, and it, to me that's and that's like if that's like working Iron Man match, but you're doing you're doing basically if you're there for three hours, you're doing three hours worth of matches and everything in between. Yeah. But then on top of that, I got I have to remember the, what these guys are doing in their match, and I got to remember callouts, finishes, you know, things, spots that they're going to do, and things like that. And uh, it's just you know you want to make the show better and everything else like that. But 
essentially that's what what I had to do. I had to um, uh, prepare. At that point, I was preparing myself for you know. Hopefully, eventually this will change, and maybe I can stop doing this and get some other guys in here, so I can maybe I can start wrestling while I'm still young. Yeah. Twenty years later, here I am, still wearing the stripes, and you know, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't trade it for anything because I've 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 submitted my legacy this way. Yes. I had the opportunity at the end of at the end of Kirby's run at MPX when he would decided that he was going to sell MPX that uh that he was going to you know that he was leaving and. Uh-huh. uh uh, I had begged Kirby let, for years. I had begged Kirby, let me have one hardcore match with you, please. Let me have a hardcore match with you. Well, I got a match with him, but it was in the tr- it was in a uh, six man tag, and yeah. thank God it was in a six man tag because I blew up so fast in that in that match. <laughs> I was so blown. I'm, well, I'm out of shape anyway. Everybody, and, and I'm not. I'm not. I hope that nobody notices that, but I, I don't know if you know it's not. But if you look at me. I know I have the body of a Greek god, really I do, but no, no, I don't. No, I, <laughs> I, I look like a busted can of biscuits sometimes. But no, for real, I I just wanted to go out there and have a match, and in my first match in about eighteen years, yeah, um, that's when I was in the six man tag with a fifteen year, a sixteen and seventeen year old rookie, yeah. and, uh, another vet, another vet that I knew from PCW, Matthew Palmer. Uh-huh. And then MPX, MPX guys are all on the other side of the ring in the form of Schaefer, Red Chambers, and, of course, Stephen Kirby. Mm-hmm. And I came out there, and I did my part. They did their part. I, and I, I was just so thrilled to have been a part of, been a part of that and been able yeah. to do that. Yeah. And I haven't been able to do anything like that since. But it's been <clears> – <throat> for me, That's that was a uh, that was a big thing for me. And, and uh, being at MPX, you know, as long as I have been, even after uh, I had fall, I had a fallen out when I first met Stephen Kirby when he first started the whole business, the whole oh. thing. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a story by itself too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back in 2010, Stephen Kirby. It was after PCW had just basically fell. They fell. Uh-huh. Um, um, I wasn't even allowed to work the last show in PCW in 2000, the, the last consecutive show for PCW in 2009 because of a misunderstanding that I had with Richard at the time. Hmm. And okay. uh, anyway, so I uh, I had a I had an opportunity through Christopher Hayden, Carrie and Arcane to come work another show with them. Mm-hmm. And I and I didn't know anybody else where they were working because nobody was around at the time except for maybe Victory Crown Championship Wrestling at that time that yeah. I, I was working with Derek Abramson then. Before they had Metwell Pro, that's you know that that's all, that's all that good. Yeah, and um, which I really enjoyed working that show. Um, that was uh, something I looked forward to at least once a month. And then of course, Kirby was at the time was working with Matthew Fisher, a bunch of other guys that were on the wrestling show. They were all his friends. They all started uh, literally in their backyard and doing birthday parties after that, and wrestling. Uh, doing wrestling matches that at that time were just not not good, and I I I had stated it, and it, and it hurt uh, Kirby's feelings because all he really wanted was to meet somebody that could show him the way to do this. Yeah, and um, I was very, and it I would I could hear my trainers coming out my mouth. You know, the guys that, that taught me to respect the business, right. things that they taught me were coming out of my mouth. Yeah. So it was never. It was never like I never really wanted to hurt. I was never trying to intentionally hurt his feelings, but I was trying to make him under. And I knew he had respect for what we were doing. Yeah. But I, I 
it, it just I, the way I conveyed it at that time, and I was in a very dark place in my life at that point, and uh, I I had come across as a really I did come across as an asshole. I really did, and to be honest with you, and I was like, look, guys, you guys need to get get trained by some legitimate people because y'all y'all got everything going for you. You have the production stuff, you have the vignettes, the the mic skills, you'll have all this character stuff, but you can't back it up with your wrestling skills whatsoever. Yeah. It took it took Christopher Hayden and Gary Arcane to come in and work with the guys and then Matthew Palmer coming in to work with the guys sometimes. And a couple other guys would come in in rotation, Lance Hoyt and everybody else would come in and help on rotation to train the guys that are working at the show and then yeah. make it bigger. So Kirby then started having a wrestling school and a wrestling show that he would show uh, once every other month or so. And then they went twice a month. Oh, it was still at the uh, old Metroplex gym. And uh, um, because of a fallen, because of that misunderstanding that I had had with Kirby at that time, I think that and something that happened at his house at an after show party that was going on, um, uh, another misunderstanding that something had happened. Yeah, because I, I don't I don't intentionally I don't intend to disrespect anybody, but I, I'm the type of person that I say how I feel without with, without some regard sometimes because it's like I, I don't want anybody to understand that my I don't want anybody to take me the wrong way. But I have a, a viewpoint and how I feel, and most of the stuff that I that I the way I see it is very emotional to me because I right. because I I respect this business so much. Yeah, I'm sorry for rambling so much, but I'm just you're good, man. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. You know, I mean, that's that's what we're here to do. We're here to you know talk and tell stories and everything. So, yeah, I'm just letting you go. So this is one I have an actual testimonial for myself. I've used this company to get a custom gift made for my wife. If you're looking for a handmade custom gift or something that's laser engraved or just something that's one of a kind that says hey i care then go to 3s productions they even make military and sports themes gifts as well it is a veteran owned and operated family business hit them up on their instagram page and that's at 3s productions i will have a link to them in my show notes when it comes to laser engraving or any type of woodworking go to 3s productions with a z and like I said, I'll have a link to them in my show notes. Uh, so, let's oh, see. at what point was it that you decided, you know what, I am going to stick with the ref uh, side of this? I went to a training uh, session at off off the off the wall training session one time, and TCW, uh, and I was kind of messing around the ring a little bit, and. Um, Somebody had gotten into a conversation with me about, you know, the way I wrestle and everything like that. And it just kind of really, it kind of, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And so, yeah. uh, um, and then on top of that, um, I had some outside influences at the time that were just not very supportive of me at the time to do gotcha. this wrestling stuff, yeah. you know, in, um, in the form of my, my father, he wasn't. At the time, he wasn't very supportive about, you know, to me, he wasn't very supportive as far as, you know, me doing anything with wrestling because he thought it was a big waste of my time. Yeah. I should have been spending more. I probably should have spent the $2,000 gone to Atlanta and going to school then, time at the power plant, yeah. all this stuff. 
all this stuff. And it was just like, well, you know, I got to start somewhere. And this is the best thing I know how to do. Right. Long, long and short of that is I kept being a referee because one, uh, I have a bad habit of having a, uh, of, like I said, I'm, I'm even when I'm, when I was in the peak of my refereeing career, I was probably about a buck 85, you know, maybe about 220, something uh-huh. like that. Uh, anywhere from a buck eighty-five to two twenty, depending on the year. Yeah. Um. But I was I was working out quite a bit more then. I was a little bit a lot skinnier then than I am now. Um. But uh, I I got to the point where nobody would want me to be anywhere else. But I was always getting phone calls. Hey, man, I got this show that I'm starting in, in December. Do you want to be there? Can you be there? Like, yeah, I can be there. And yeah. I show up. I'm the only guy there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> okay. And um. And then sometimes I'd show up and then the, the promoter would ask me after I'd done a couple of matches, can you come back and do this again? And I'm like, yeah, just call me. Let me know. So a lot of times I get, a, sometimes I get a call back. Sometimes I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, there's one particular uh, veteran that I went to go work a show for one time and it was booked by another guy, but he was the owner of that show. who was a known veteran in the area. And I went, I worked one show for him and I asked him if he wanted me to ever come back, just let me know. Never got a, never got a call back from him. Never got a call back, or if he ever he he would try to book me. And he would. So it's just like you know, yeah. And then there was those guys that you go and work a whole show by yourself, and then turn right around and that guy wouldn't pay you at the end of the day after you've been there the entire time, done all the matches. I'm sorry, man, didn't make it up at the gate. Sorry, man. Yeah, you're gonna have two less tires by the time I get outside the parking lot. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but I mean, oh, no, I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you gotta, you spent money to get there. So, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you gotta, you gotta make money too. So no, I totally get that. Yeah. So we're going to, kind of, for the record, I never heard anybody's car. Or anything oh, like that. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to kind of switch things up here a little bit. Um, okay. Do you have any hobbies? Do I have any hobbies? Wrestling is my hobby. It's my passion. It is everything that I do. I love playing Call of Duty and you know, I love playing video games. Um, okay. I tend to go I tend to go for long walks on the beach and uh having candlelight dinners on the uh, on the bat- on the outside of Italy sometimes. <laughs> I, I go on flights with Tony Snow out to Mexico a lot and uh you Good know guy. what his his yeah, I mean I mean let me tell you about those tortillas. When yeah. he says that his when his grandmother makes some good tortillas, his abuelita makes some tortillas. He uh-huh. ain't joking. Those right. aren't even the best ones that she makes. I'll tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> those are not even the best ones that she makes. The best ones she makes, she saves just for the certain people. And man, was I fortunate. Um, I have my my real hobbies. I I tend to, I, like I said, I do play video games. I'm a video gamer, and yeah. uh, that's been my. Lately, that's been my hobby. Um, I'm a I'm a mechanic uh, mechanic by trade, okay. so I like to tinker around with cars and bikes and things like that. Um, another hobby I like to go. Fi- I uh, I'm going. I started going fishing pre- uh, not long ago. Every once in a while, I just kind of do you know, catch nice. and throw. Yeah, you know, I love anything that it involves just peaceful activities that I can just kind of relax. And I'm not around a lot of people that are kind of noisy because yeah, uh, I, I like to get away from all the noise. Right. a lot just as just the way my my mind is i need to just center myself yeah um well and fishing is a good way to do that too i mean 
I have days where like, you know, I'd go fishing and I'd barely mm-hmm. get a bite. And it was still one of the best days I'd had because it was just quiet. Just be in the water, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm actually discovering new things because I've been, I quit drinking last year. And okay. um, that's been a, uh, that's been a huge uh, change in my life where I, I've been now been, cause I was, I'll keep my personal life short. Um, I, uh, I have, I was an addict for a long time. You know, I was an alcoholic for a long time and I just kind of had, I kept it to myself. Everybody knew that I drank beer, but they didn't know how much I drank. And yeah. I just, you know, it, unfortunately for me, it's gotten me in some trouble. And yeah. uh, because of that, I had to quit. And now my only thing that I do is try to find anything that doesn't involve any activities that have to do with that. I mean, I can go places. I can go to, I can go do things right. that everybody else can do. I just got to be careful about, you know, the type of people that I'm around and the type of uh, activities that I'm around based on that. Yeah. So nowadays uh, what I do is I just, like I said, I'll, I'll go to movies and do things, do the simple things. I like to shop. I like to go shopping and not, and not buy nothing. That's what I like to do. <laughs> um, I like going places to eat that are, that I have never eaten at before just to say that I've eaten there. Oh, that's cool. I'll try their, try their, you know, star dish. I'm a hamburger guy. So yeah. I'm on this quest for the best burgers in Fort Worth and Dallas. So that's what I'm doing right now. Okay. What's your best one that you've come across so far? Uh, the best one that I've come across so far was Winfield's out of, uh, out of Oak Cliff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. the, I mean, you, I mean, this place is smaller probably than your garage and cut in half. And then it has bars in the windows. You can call oh. your order in an hour later. It'll be ready, but you better be there because it, it'll be given away <laughs> to somebody. Um, it, it is one of those, one of those rare places. Hole in the wall. It looks yeah. like it look. It literally looks like an old fashioned jail cell. But man, that tell you what the burgers that come out that joint. Oh yeah, man. yeah. What drive? You said this is where now? Uh, I want to say it's it's Winfields. It's Winfields. I think it's, it's in Dallas. It's like in Oak da- Cliff. Okay. okay. Yeah, I want to say Oak Cliff, like Duncanville, Soto, something like that. Hmm. It's all I, there in that area somewhere. I'm very much a uh, hamburger guy myself. I I love finding a good cheeseburger and uh my favorite one though we'll kind of go on food here for a minute because i i like my food and everything and uh i like a nice uh bacon cheeseburger with a fried egg on top hey yeah that's what i'm talking about the protein deluxe exactly yeah it's uh that's the best way to have it my kids even know you know what dad's favorite favorite cheeseburger is is that one so you know uh, but yeah, you can't you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. That's another hobby I've done. I started uh, I, like in the summer. Uh, this past summer, I was doing TikToks, and I've been I'll find something that I really like, and I'll just kind of create my own little music video or something like that. Not that yeah. I'm a good per not a good video maker, content maker, or anything like that, but something to do. Yeah. Well, um, I I do edit you today on one of those, so. <laughs> Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From uh, are we gonna take? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great movie too. So, I need your help. I can't yeah. tell you what it is. Never ask me about it later, and we're gonna hurt some people. <laughs> Whose car are we Who's gonna car? take? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of the yeah. best lines in the entire movie. It now, is. That's what I'm calling. That's your best friend. That is your best friend. Yeah. Whose car? <laughs> are we gonna take? No questions. Let's just do no it. No questions. Yeah. Let's just yeah. Whose car are we going to take? That's the only question I got. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> so you're a movie guy, you said. Uh, yes. Is there any that you've seen 
that you know what's your favorite movie my favorite movie without any ado uh-huh. would be rocky 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 above, okay uh, yeah rocky is my favorite movie of all time okay Man, and and it's because it's a love story yeah. you know it, it, it's not only just a love story for a man that, that loves what he's doing but it's a love story for the man that's doing what he's doing has gone through a lot of different heartaches and everything else. You can just see it. You know, the man's broken. The man yeah. is broken, but he finally got an opportunity to do the one thing that yeah. he never thought he would ever be able to do. And he's got it. And yeah. he's on the, and he's worried that it's all going to crash, you know, before it even starts. So that was, yeah, yeah, that's Rocky, Rocky one, two, and three, probably my favorite, my favorite movies by far. I got you. You can't go wrong with Stallone. No, you can't. Yeah. Anything he does. It's just gold. Anything. Uh, Anything. I I remember there's a movie. I don't remember what it was called, but uh, it's one that he did with Dolly Parton uh, to where she was trying to make him. Is it Rhinestone? Yeah. Rhinestone. Yeah. And uh, trying to make him a country music singer. That, 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 uh, that movie was great. But, you know, the ones that we watch the most in our house is probably the Rambo movies. And I've recently, my son watched the first two of them with me, with me and my wife. And he, he likes them. In fact, um, my wife likes them so much. That was like a date night with that last Rambo, uh, Rambo movie that came out. You know, we went to Longhorns and then we went and saw Rambo in theaters. So, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't understand that yet. I still haven't really quite, uh, I haven't really quite figured that one out yet. The last one, I think. Yeah, the last one. It didn't seem like it was. Um, I don't think still. I, I, mean, may, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I love the Rambo series. <laughs> yeah, I love the first. The first. The original First Blood was probably the best one. Hundred uh, percent. But to say that. And to see his trend, to see him progress all the way up until probably that one when he was in Burma, to yeah. where he's back at the ranch. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I don't know how to feel about that one just yet. I I liked it, but I don't feel like it was kind of. It just didn't feel the same. It just didn't feel like. Uh, yeah. I I get it. I get it. Military you're supposed to protect against people that are foreign right. and domestic and right. that, that makes sense to me but i, I don't know I, I really feel like that it didn't really hit in a in a spot for me that really said something about you know what i mean maybe this is this is time for it's time for all this to come to an end you know and, well yeah but, i mean you know, they kind of led it to that to where you know it could be the end you know i mean they kind of just leave it open You're, you don't know if he's if he survived or not even there at the end yeah so Sorry if anybody yeah. who hasn't seen it spoilers. You know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it's been I mean, out for a few years since 2019, I believe it was. Yes, it was. And yeah, I, and I was I was hoping they would finally put maybe make it make a uh, make a point to carry on that story, but that story yeah. really needs to end in one way or another. I think the Creed series taken off after Rocky. Yeah, that really solidified a new franchise for for him even after the fact that he's gone so that Hollywood right. can take over. Um, yeah. He's done his part with all that and it was great, great storytelling. The Creed storytelling is just as good if not better. Um, they, a lot of different elements that went into those stories. I thought they were really good. A lot of, dyna- a lot of dynamic things like his wife being the singer or having hearing problems. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, All that was just gold. Yeah, Gold. Yeah. 
I always liked it whenever he uh, when he brought back in the, in the Rocky Balboa film, but he brought back original characters that he had in the first film. Right. That you know, and that really said something. Like, oh, it's coming from circle. Yeah. And then they see that <laughs> the credits go up, and then you hear that violin play, and like, oh. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, there's like I said, still on movies you can't go wrong. I'm even a big fan of the Expendables movies that he's done, you know, as you know, they're just a bunch of explosions, but it's still fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like how he takes actual moments in people's like he takes you on an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. In a sense to where it's like, okay, he draws you in with the the characteristics of these people. So yep. that's what draws you into his movies. Right. You figure out who they are. And you learn about them as they, as you go, and yeah. to see like his these people that he's involved with, either if they if anything happens to any of them, the way that like even opening seeing the cliffhanger is that way. Like yeah. I cannot tell you, I cried for him when his friend's wife fell off the cliff. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know what bothered me? What bothered me? What bothered me is the man's wife just fell out of his hands, and right. he's just dead yeah based yeah and i'm just like what yeah huh yeah what please tell me that this was a this was something that you know you wanted to happen you know like you're having an affair with someone's wife or something like that and that's what's going on and so it was kind of like a thing like you rigged you rigged the carabiner to fault on this whole thing like i wanted this to be (laughs) yeah some sort of factual like there's understory being told here that we never heard yeah, I've never heard. It. <laughs> I kind of feel like it was there, but it's not. Right. Um, but uh, you know, another hobby that I do like to I do like to go and do is usually um, I used to go to metal concerts. I'm I'm, I'm very oh. good friends with. I'm, uh, I was very good. I was uh, very very good associates. I'll say that much. But I was friends at one time with a guy by the name um, Jay Wilson, who uh, is a drummer for a band. Um, at one time known in, in the Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth metal scene as Bloodstained Carpet. And now that he's in a, he was at one time drumming for a band called uh, Far Beyond Drunk, who was a Pantera tribute band. They're really, really good. Well, I got to where I was starting to watch them play and everything else. And of course, Karrion Arcane, who is a wrestler, he's also a, he's also a guitar player and he plays Slayer and Metallica. Uh-huh. All yep. kinds of, he loves, loves playing stuff like, like that and yeah. all kinds of all kinds of death metal and things like that. Well, he had, he had told me he was going to this concert and it was the first time I had ever seen in this moment live at the, boiler that would be room cool to Dallas. see. It was at the boiler room in Dallas. Oh, okay. And it was, and this was before the first album came out and they were doing all the, she was, and, and okay. the lead singer was just growling away. It was, yeah. You would talk about the most gentle and just deep, dark growling things i've never heard a woman sound like that before but this little bitty thing this little bitty woman this like maybe five three five three five five seven yes yeah. under she's shorter than me yeah a little bitty little thing wearing a corset just growling like <laughs> just oh my god the, the 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 lowest guttural like sounding voice i had ever heard yeah. Makes everybody just go the same. It would put the guy, uh, whatever that guy's name, who's always screaming out loud at his concerts. I forget for uh, 
something vicious. I don't what know what was that? Some some guy named Vicious, uh, something like that. Anyway, he's a guy. He's a guy that had that. That's a metal singer. He's known for <laughs> screaming are, out loud the way he does at his concerts without his mic. And, oh, uh, are you talking about the the Russian band that Slaughter to Prevail? Yeah. yeah, that's him. That's him. Yeah, uh, Ivan. Yeah. I, is it? I want to say it's like Ivan Terrible or something like that. Ivan Terrible. That's it. It's Ivan Terrible. He yeah. was like, yeah, like she, he would, and she was singing lower than him and just guttural. And I was just like, oh my God. And she held it, like, she held this, like, low note for the longest, longest time through, like, <laughs> Alex Terrible. Alex Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But the, yeah. the lead singer, the lead, who's the lead singer for In This Moment, she was holding this guttural, like, scream, growl. For the longest time, through the huge breakdown, it had to have been like this whole minute, and she just kept going, going, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the most brutal thing ever!" I'm a huge fan. And then their album comes out, and she's been singing like normal, like yeah, her normal voice, like yeah, it sounds so pukey and whiny. I just can't do it. I just, <laughs> I, just, I, just I gave up on her at that point. It's like, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> shut what, up. What about Arch Enemy? Do you like Arch Enemy? I love Arch Enemy. I, you know what? They when back in 2005 when they came out and yeah. and uh, Otep had come out with like songs about that were uh, against Bush at that time. I yeah. totally agreed with what they were saying. Yeah, and it just made a lot of sense about how you know where we were in as a country at that point. Um, the metal scene pretty much changed for me because, well, of course, we all grew up. You know, I, I'm I'm right. from Texas. Yeah, born and raised in Waco, moved to Fort Worth at a relatively young age. Yeah. Um, stayed in Fort Worth scene for long, <clears throat> Fort Worth and Dallas scene for the longest time. I know who Pantera is. It's hard not to know who they are around here. Um, yep. I was heartbroken back in 2004 when I found out about what happened to um, Dimebag. When I, when I Dimebag. Yep. Heartbroken to say the least. And then yep. I was at Vinnie Paul's. Um, <clears throat> I went to Vinnie Paul's uh, memorials, the uh, celebration of life over at the at the and uh, that they event in Dallas. Okay, and I remember Chris Jericho was there. He actually told a whole story about Vinnie Paul and That's everything cool. else too. It was the coolest thing, and yeah. just to, I, I ran into a lot of people that I knew from wrestling. Yeah, a lot of people that knew from the metal scene from the shows right. that I've been to. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing that I, I can always say that I always have that metal scene that I can go and attend to. Um, <laughs> not long ago, <laughs> uh, I'm also a huge, uh, not just metal, but punk rock, country. Yeah. Okay. I, I love music. I love music in general, but metal, I think, is always going to be that that forefront for me. Um, I get that. My favorite, metal, my favorite metal band of all time is going to be Typo Negative. Um, that's okay. one thing that me and Chris both share. That's our favorite band. Yeah. And um, then, you know, I got to see Typo Negative four times. One of those times was with Celtic Frost, and I'll never forget that night. Never. Really? That. Yeah. Celtic Frost was just. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Do they even make music? They don't make music anymore, do they? No, they they, they went. They did an album. They went on tour, uh-huh. and they toured for a little while. And then I guess I don't know. The fan members had a falling out again. And uh, trip to fan started. And after trip to, after trip to fan, it was uh, um, I forget what the name of the band. Trip to con, I think is what they turned it into. Okay, or something like that. Oh. <laughs> but. Yeah, and then of course I saw Charred Walls of the Damned, which is you know uh, 
Ripper Jones. Yeah. From former priest guy, you know, uh-huh. after Ralph Halbert had taken a hiatus for a little bit. Right. Uh, um, got to see, there's a band called Brand New Sin. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Saw them with them. I saw Hate Breed with them. I like um, Hate Breed. I've, I've always been a big uh, fan of them. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, and, and then another thing, too, it's kind of funny, too. It's, you know, my circle is always, always incomplete, but it's all I always run into people that I know from something, right? Yeah. I started dating some girl. I started dating some girl, and her name was, I don't want to even mention her name, but I started dating this girl, and her and her <laughs> sister both knew the guys from Combi Christ, who was, who were the guys that used to come and play at PCW shows all the time as an intermission, you know, which is the weirdest thing. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Rivet Head and Combi Christ both used to come to PCW and play shows there. It's the craziest thing. Huh. So going back to one of the bands you said, mm-hmm. Hate Breed. Do you know yes. how I found them? Yeah. The Punisher movie that came out uh, in you know, 2004, was it? The one that had John Travolta in it? Yeah. Yeah, I remember and that it, one. Yeah, and <laughs> that uh, song, what was it called? Um. Uh, Bound to Violence was the Bound to Violence. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, I like the way this sounds. This is so cool. And my buddy who had the soundtrack, that was like his least favorite song on there. He's like, I don't know how you listen to this, you know. And I was like, this is this is some good stuff. You know, I mean, obviously I found the song broken and all that stuff on there as well. But you know, um <clears throat> yeah, that's where I found Hate Breed. And ever since then, I have been a pretty big fan of them, you know, for <laughs> They have such uplifting lyrics in what they're saying, but yeah. it's so violent too. <laughs> yeah. The music is just it's just it's just like I'm gonna punch you in your face. Bro. Exactly. I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna be so positive about it when I do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna punch you in your face, but I'm gonna pick you back up whenever I'm gonna have a smile on my face when I do it. And I'm gonna be like, okay, let's try this again. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. That's what I, that's you know, back then, you know. When peace went, like I said, peace. I think at that time period, around two thousand, anywhere between two thousand and two thousand and eight, I think that's when some of the best music, um, yes. not even in my generation, had come out. Yeah, and and some of the best times in wrestling, in my opinion, had had really kind of given given us the the way to where we're at right now, and right. it's allowed a lot of people to become fans and allow the new generation to come and see what wrestling really is. It's no longer the guys that go in there and grab a headlock for, for they work a headlock for five minutes and then finally turn it into like a roll up, you know, as a yeah. finish after doing everything. Yeah. And uh I, I think nowadays, um and this is what I found this is the thing that I've that I've noticed about music. It's that it always comes back around full circle. Eventually, you're going to find something that's going to really sit. That's that's there's a once in a lifetime like generational thing that happens. For me, it was for us at that time period. It was all the emo bands that were coming out at the time, and I I really felt things at that time period when they were coming out. Metal bands that were coming yeah. out at that time period were talking a lot of stuff, and they were just everything fit. Everything yeah. like people in, in flames and um <clears throat> in flames and and. Otep, um, Alice in Chains that came out with a new album, yeah. um, Black Gives Away the Blue, which I think is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard in my entire life, to be honest with you, that they've ever produced. And it's without Lane Staley, which is another thing to say about that, because Lane Staley is probably one of the greatest singers that Alice in Chains ever had. Yeah. But that album in and of itself 
even after Jerry Cantrell's solo stuff, it really spoke to me. It just everything about that album at that time was speaking to me really yeah. well. And uh, but yeah, that I, I love music. Um, I was in a rock band when I was in, when I was in high school, and I still talk to the guys that you know I was in that band with to this day. We've all got families now and become teachers. I'm the referee guy that works on cars, you know, <laughs> and um, and uh, um, I was very fortunate to be able to meet people that were on the up and up, and they've become people. I refereed uh, Keith Lee's first match at PCW. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. I got to do. Yeah, and I always, knew, I always knew he was special that he was going to go some go somewhere, and I, I will never take, I will never take credit for anything that he's done. He did it all for, he did it all yeah. on his own, yeah, his way. He's still doing great. He is. Um, and of course, I got to work with Athena and Palmer and of course, yeah. Kirby and all everybody, like people like Mike Fox and 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 Claudia and Wally. Wally Darkman. That's another wrestler that had a character back in ECW that was really good. I mean, Chris. Of course, Chris Richter, who was you know so many different characters that and uh, everything else. I. I could go on and on with all the people that, you know, I really appreciate being in the ring with yes, and, and being in the ring with Aaron Eagle again, you know, it just brings me back to a time when I really loved wrestling right. as part of my life. And I really wanted to be more than where I was at. Yeah. If I could have gone to TNA, I could have, and I never did yeah. <clears throat> being able to work with Lance Hoyt and um, all those guys. And now being able to go and do all these other shows that Palmer has help me get into like working the revolver show or working with Derek and Jason over Matt Wolf pro and working with Franco D'Angelo, all the guys that I've worked with in the past, I seem to always find them. Yeah. Uh, we always come back to each other. And then on top of that, we're always making sure that we're helping each other. We're, we're in it for the show. We're in it for the story. We're in it to make money. We're right. in it for the business. We're in it to help people get what they want when they come to our show. And um, it's important to me to, that I play that role. And um, it's important to me that everybody comes in and enjoys themselves. Um, I, I'm not one to, to come out into the audience a lot and talk to people. Um, and I'm not one to really kind of shake hands and kiss babies and all that. I'm just, I'm, I'm a very much, a, I'm very much of the private person. Yeah. And I can't be, I, I have this thing. I don't like, I hate to say it. I don't want to be like Brock Lesnar and say, I don't like being around a whole lot of people. I do like being around people. <laughs> yeah. I do like being around people, but I, I have this, I have this uncomfortability that that's, it's just, I don't, I, I can't explain it. It's just, um, I want, I, I, nothing can, can say that. I just like to, I like to de decompress after a match sometimes and after a show sometimes, because I'm right. taking it in Yeah. because I, I, I go out there and I and I do what everybody else does. And you know, the wrestlers they put on a good show and everything else, but I'm in there to make sure that they look like they're actually performing as yeah. a this is a competitive match. That's I play my role too. Yeah. And we're always gonna be the the uh the unspoken unseen in yeah. the ring unless we're unless we're unless it's necessary. Right. <clears throat> well, I mean you I have your own side of the story that you have to make sure is told in there as well. You know, you're the Absolutely. third man in the ring and your job is just as important. Yeah. Like the whole thing with MPX versus TWC right now, uh, that's the thing that um, I, I make sure that, that I that I need to tell that 
I do not like TWC. Um, I'm very disappointed that Nick Caldwell has joined TWC. This is the guy that I trained to be, you know, the one to take to take over. You know, he, I, I was going to, you know, just slowly fade into obscurity. And he had to go and do something like this. And he just put my he put my my plans on hold. And on top of that, he just he made a mockery of the very, very thing that I believe in. That's MPX and yeah. the opportunities that that place has given me that that I don't even deserve, really. I mean, I I don't deserve the opportunity that I got back then, um, but I appreciate it. And um, <clears throat> I'm very fortunate to work there with the people that I have worked with. Yeah. And um, it's it's just it's a it's a huge disappointment to see that happen. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So um I hope that eventually that he comes around and you know realizes the error of his ways, but time will tell. Yeah. yeah. So I just have a little bit more that I wanted to uh, ask you on here before I get you off. We've kind of come up close to the hour mark on here. And mm-hmm. um, so who's your, I didn't get to ask you this a minute ago, but who's your favorite wrestler? Oh man. Jeez. You know what? I can't even mention his name, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, All right. Yeah. He was, his performance, his performance level was beyond par that yeah. I could ever, that I could ever mention. I cannot mention his name because I don't want to, I don't want to bring that up, but right. Um, as a wrestler, well, you know, you know, in that in and of itself, he was my favorite wrestler. But I will say this much: my my current favorite wrestler um, that's out there right now, uh-huh. um, I will have to say, has got to be Finn Bauer. And the reason why is because versatility. Yeah. Um, he's just he's that guy that has. But he, here's the thing that that I'm waiting for to happen. I'm waiting for him to get to finally get the opportunity to get that belt back the way he deserves it because the man, the man hurt his shoulder and it's like, he never had a real opportunity to prove himself back after that. Yeah, definitely. You know, you've got all these other guys that are coming up and everything else. Don't get me wrong. I like CM Punk and he's probably Trent. He and he, him and his name have transcended things. Yep. But do I think him, think of him as the best wrestler in the world? Eh, he's, he's, he's one, he's one of the best in the world. Yeah. Um, but the best wrestler I've ever seen in my entire life has to be Bret Hart. Um, that, I mean, he's the guy that, that I got into wrestling to, you know, when I first started watching. Right. Um, and I will always say that uh, Bret Hart is probably the wrestler to watch. Um, if anybody wants to do study a tape or anything like that, watch just how he does things. It's just, it's just completely sound. Yeah. All, everything he does is fluid, it is complete. He's protected everybody he's ever been to work in the ring with, and there's that. Um, but if I was going to be a wrestler like anybody else, it'd be I, I'd want to wrestle like Mick Foley. That'd be who I wanted to be. But <laughs> Mick Foley, yeah, he's great. Uh, so my brother actually, um, for years, he was like, "Yeah, I wrestled with uh, with Mick Foley and stuff," and I was like, oh, "Okay." And my my brother pra- passed away in 2016, and I never really mm-hmm. knew much about his wrestling career in Oklahoma. Well, um, a few months ago, my sister-in-law sent me this um, flyer from 1989 in Pryor, Oklahoma, and oh. I had my brother's name on there, and one of the other names on there was Cactus Jack, 
as one of the wrestlers in there. And I was able to send it to somebody and they put it up on uh, like a Oklahoma uh, vintage wrestling page. And just from that, I was able to find out where that happened at, who the promoter was and what the promoter actually did for a living in real life. You know, so I was like, this is this is so cool because I I really haven't got to know that much about his wrestling career. And um, yeah, so Mick Foley, he always said that he was like, oh, yeah, I I used to wrestle with mankind. And I was like, "Okay," you know, didn't really think much about it until I saw that. And I was like, this is really cool. Here's a story I can tell you. Um, So I was training with Killer Tim Brooks one night Uh and the gentleman, Chris Adams, comes walking in. Oh. I didn't recognize him first because he was wearing a sweater and glasses. And uh-huh. then he stood up and he opened his mouth like, oh, my God, you're Chris Adams. You're Chris Adams of all people. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then that's when I, you know, he got in the ring with me and Clayton, his son. Yeah. And rolled around with us for a little bit and told us a few things and said a few things. And he was just dressed normal with jeans, white, sho- you know, white off-colored shoes, basically untied, practically untied. He had a gray yeah. sweater that had like a hole in it and he had his hair and it's kind of messy but he had these big thick like old aviator looking glasses on but he was very good at, at, at teaching us and telling us how things worked and everything yeah a week later i'm over at his i'm over at killer's house a week or two later i'm over at killer's house and we find out that chris got murdered oh wow i'll never forget that was my first and only interaction with chris adams uh-huh it was that's and, it, and, it, and that was the only time I ever, that I ever met him and it ended in tragedy. Wow. Um, yeah, it was sad because uh, it was long after that that we did a uh, that Killer held a student show with at the Waxahachie uh, Convenience Center out there, and uh, I got to be the referee along with another guy that was you know was one of the students there and everything. Yeah, and it was me. Uh, it, it, I was I was refereeing. Clayton and Killer versus Chad Hart and somebody else whose name escapes me. I can't remember who it was, but it was not. It was I think it was both both Chad and Gary Hart were were, were guys that I, that you know were there at the time. Uh-huh. And I think it was like nineteen nineteen maybe no, I was like twenty twenty one years old at that time. Okay, and being 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 in there with those guys from the from the world class era, yeah. I just met the and, and the second generation wrestler. Here I am, first gen, trying to get in and yeah, uh, yeah. It, it really meant a lot to me when I got to do things like that. Um, being in the ring with the guys, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think I think you know if I could if I could go back in time, if I can go back in time, that I could probably change a couple things that I've done. I probably would have focused more on wrestling. Yeah been more involved with it um, right but i uh i don't know i was facing a lot of things at that point you know uh battling addiction and facing my own demons at the same time yeah dealing with uh dealing with family issues and things like that it just kind of all for me it was a very emotional time and part of my life and that's when i i guess my escape was music so i would always focus back on going to metal shows and things like that when i could have been more focused on what i was doing and I might be not. I might not be having this conversation with you. I might be somewhere else. Who knows what things right. are going to happen? But, uh, but looking back now, living where I'm at right now, I have no regrets. I'm very happy with where I'm working at, what I'm doing, and with working with the boys that I'm working with, and I get to talk with them. And I still talk with some of the guys that have, you know, 
have taken their boots off and decided to call it a day. And, um, you know, I stick around because I want to, I want to make sure that I, you know, do whatever, what we all were all trained to do back in those days was try to leave the business better than what we got into it. But, you know, yep. So there was something I ran across uh, when I was doing some research on you, mm-hmm. and uh, says that you know Irish sign language. I know what Irish sign language. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> I had to ask, man. I saw it and I was like, I've got to ask him about that. So <laughs> it, it, it doesn't take much uh, to know. Um, usually uh, it, it really kind of in, involves just uh, how many beers I want to order, uh, how, what I really <laughs> think about you, and yeah. uh, what I'm really thinking about you. And if you don't see me anymore, it's probably because I'm on the floor and I'm really trying to tell you to get me back up so I can order more. So that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Irish sign language. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what what other research have you found out about me? Ask me questions. Let's see if they're that working. Well, so I had a, a couple things. It said that you knew how to speak um, Irish, English, Irish, and Irish sign language, and then English on there. So I was like, huh? I thought I'd ask him. Thought I'd ask you about that. You know. Um, uh, I. I. Uh, no. I don't know where the Irish sign language really came from. Um, yeah. I think that might have been an inside joke at one point. I had forgotten all about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mainly, mainly the, the old Irish sign language is like, can I have another beer? No. And then I do this. Which is, yeah. You know, yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it means the same thing. And it's in the, the same. It's an old story. It's the Irish way of giving a stone cold salute. It would be that way. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's, that's the only Irish sign language that I know. Or give me that many more, please. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you find me off my stool, please put me back on it. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, as far as uh, knowing a little bit of Gaelic, I do. I, one of my best friends is from Derry, Northern Ireland, and okay. um, and I talk to him at least a couple times a, a couple times a month nowadays. We used to talk every day, but now it's just a couple times a month. But he was also one of the guys that you know that really kind of helps me keep keep on the straight and narrow and everything like that because he knows that's what good. I'm going through. Yeah, and you know he's even though I'm off the sauce and he's still on it, we still we still crack jokes and yeah, definitely. Every once in a while, every once in a while he'll 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 uh, say something to me and then I'll try to remember what it what it means. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I never remember it. I never do. I try to write it down. It doesn't even. You don't even spell it the same way it sounds. That's yeah, weird. That's what I was about to say. Is you know the way that it's spelled. Don't try to pronounce it the way that it's spelled because it's not going to be right. <laughs> no, in Russian it's a little bit different because you get like thirty-two letters and they all sound differently, but they all spell it exactly the way it sounds. But the <laughs> vocabulary, but the way they put the vocabulary together, it's just I, the the way that the the word structure is. It's not the way we do it different it's not like spanish where in spanish you, you take the verb and you put it in front of the noun or you put it after the noun you put it and in english you put the the verb in front of the noun which yeah. is weird yeah so. I, I i feel like we need a uh a, a russian lesson from dimitri now 
you know what? I that's the one show I did get to listen to, and I got to listen to how he, what he talked about. And I was like, I'm wondering if when I got into tape trading, if maybe I might have sent him a tape at one time. I want to say that I, it just I always thought that name sounded familiar, and never really really put two and two together. But now that I think about it, yeah, I might have sent him a tape from uh, one of my Japanese tapes back in the day, but I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, he he was a lot of fun, man. I I really enjoyed having him on. And uh, yeah, I, I love doing this. Like I said, this is my last recording of the year. And uh, it, it, this has been so much fun. And, uh, you know, talking to all these different people and different walks of life, you know, it's, it's, it's a journey in its own right, you know, sitting out here and hearing everybody's stories and getting to talk with them. So I, I really do appreciate you coming on, man. It's it's my pleasure, and I really do appreciate anybody that loves wrestling, that wants to talk to people, that just want to see what what that we're just normal people that just try to do, you know, what most other people, you know, yeah, want to want to want to do. You know, right. we try to play the hero, we try to play the villain, we tell the stories, we do it live, and we do it for real, and we we hope that you, whenever you do come to see us, that you leave wanting to see more, that you that you. Uh, that you create your own podcast, that you want to be an announcer, be a part of the show. If you want to sell popcorn, hell, come come do it. We'll we'll get you and we'll get you a, a place for you. But yeah, uh, one thing I will say that you know, wrestling saved my life more times than I can count, and uh, I I owe my gratitude for uh, making the effort and and having the people that I've been able to work with and the yeah. fans that want to see me in there. I owe all y'all a good set of gratitude because I would not be doing this. If so do you have any advice for somebody who maybe wants to get into this business? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Been waiting for this con- this this question to pop up. <laughs> um, look, and I'll shoot straight with you. Right. You can go and be a professional wrestler. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. But it takes a very special person to make it to the very big big the the big names to be in the wwe to be in the uh aew you have to have this heart that's the size of your entire body that is willing to do anything and everything it, it takes to get to a place where you are physically mentally and emotionally ready to take on that type of responsibility for not only just you but the other people that are in that ring with you if you want to really start off to learn start learning to eat right, take care of your body. Uh, if you want to go to a wrestling school, go to a place where people have a reputable teacher. Yeah. I will say that one of the best places you can come to is at MPX because you have Matt Palmer mm-hmm. who, and, and you have Athena who comes in there and does her, does her training as well. I mean, that's one of the greatest minds that you could possibly ever talk to because they're they've been to the big top they've been to the big time they can tell you all the they can tell you all the all the ins and outs on how to make things you know better for you as a wrestler and you as you you as a performer go to booker t um barrett brown is a good person to go and learn uh wrestling for my my point is excuse me my point is go to to a school where people have actually made a name for themselves and don't go learn from some guy that's going to teach you uh, on top of a bunch of barrels and, and, and some plywood with some 
garden hose as a rope in his backyard. Go to a reputable school that has a facility that where you learn how to not only to uh, perform, but to protect yourself in this business. Yeah. And the rest of it will come in time. Yeah. All right. Um, don't expect, don't, ex- don't expect to be a world champion within your first year here. Cause that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they're trusting you with, you know, being the oh, face and don't of that go company. To a place, and, and don't go to a place that tells that they have a world heavyweight champion. I'll just say that much too. Yeah. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah, have, you can have it. You can have a champion, but you can't have a world champion. I'm sorry. That, that just doesn't make any sense. Right. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, is there anything coming up that maybe you want to uh, talk about or announce? <clears throat> yes. Uh, uh, one thing I will say is that I have, um, I will be performing at Metroplex Wrestling on the regular every Saturday night. In Bedford, okay. Texas, we start the show always starts at eight. We open doors at seven thirty. You can catch us, the first half of our show on Twitch. Um, I also perform at Matt War Pro. Uh, we do a show at least once every other month. Our next show is going to be at the South Preservation Hall in Fort Worth on January. Um, I want to say January the sixth, but I could be wrong about that. Um, I have to check my calendar. But we are going to be performing at the South Preservation Hall, and um, we have. Um, we, we, we have a very good, we have, it's a different, it's different than what you see at MPX. It's two different shows, but it's also wrestling. We're not trying to compete with one another. Yeah. We're just performing for everybody else. Around. Uh, uh, if anybody is interested in having bookings, please feel free to contact me on my Facebook page or on my Instagram. And I will be more than happy to discuss terms and conditions on whether or not where I can, I can perform with y'all. Um, if that's the case, then, uh, we'll go from there. Um, okay. As, and thank you, sir, for allowing me to uh, <clears throat> ramble on about absolutely nothing on this wrestling show that you have. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I completely wasted your time and uh, I didn't tell you anything that you needed to know. Oh, but, no, this has been great. Uh, I mean, yeah. I call it if you give a dad a podcast for a reason because you never know what's going to happen on here. Oh, yeah. And, well, I got more stories. If you ever need to hear some more, just let me know and I'll be back on. Definitely, man. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming on. And I can't wait to set it up to get you back on, man. All right. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, for all those that are seeing the last show of the year, you're welcome. It was me. It was me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. <laughs> Have a good one, man. All right. Bye. Generic audio commercial, Zio to Hero, take 43. Hey, listener, it looks like you're having fun over here listening to insert generic name here if you like what you're listening over here come on over to the zeo to hero podcast where you can join billy and myself the bulk and skull of podcasting if you want to listen to ranger powers and you want to go into and talk about Kai, anime, oh what did i make them wrong you're supposed to say zeo to hero is the best and billy and jim as bulk and skull of podcasting is funnier than any other show out there and oh. you didn't say power rangers right Get out of here, do it again. Fine. Generic audio commercial. Zeo Day Hero. Take number 44. Hey, listener, it looks like you're having fun over here. Listening to insert generic name here. God, God, come on! Riddle me this. What do you get when you get three Power Ranger fans 
who also write parent fan fictions and upload them on separate podcasts and YouTube channels, and you happen to put the three of them together and they form a unique parent storyline. Here's your answer. You get the three Ranger Bros, who is myself, Ty Tiger, the Red Corner Ranger, Mark, and the Cosplay Dude 637. We are the three Ranger Bros, and we came up with the idea called Power Rangers Global, a storyline where four different Rangers from different universes team up to save Universe 2118, a universe ruled by the gods. Now, if you want to hear Power Rangers Global, you can find it on. Tiger Tales, the YouTube channel, and Nerds Through Comics, the podcast, and you can find that podcast anywhere that podcast can be listened to. So one more time, that's Power Rangers Global on Tiger Tales, the YouTube channel, and Nerds Through Comics, the podcast. All right, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Travis Trueborn. He was an amazing guest, and I am really looking forward to maybe getting him back on the show. I think after we got done recording, we probably talked for another hour or so, maybe an hour and a half or something. I know that uh, it was quite a while, and we had a great time. And uh, like I said, I look forward to having him back on the show. So as you guys know, this is my last interview of the year. I will start producing new episodes um, in January. So, uh, you have one more thing that comes out from me this year and it is going to be a Christmas special. Um, and it should be out, I would say probably Friday or Saturday, um, the Friday or Saturday before Christmas. So, um, if you're hearing this on Monday, so you've got just a few days before you get something new, a new treat for, if you give it at a podcast, otherwise I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. And whatever else it is that you celebrate, I hope you have a fun and safe time, and uh, I will see you guys next year. But in the meantime, how about you check out some of my podcast networks that I'm a part of. I'm part of the OIW Podcast Network, the Zeo to Hero Podcast Network, and the Avenue Podcast Network. While you're waiting on new episodes to come in January for If You Give a Dad a Podcast, Go check them out. Go listen to some of those guys. They have great episodes. They have great shows. All kinds of stuff that you can find there. And I think you're bound to find something that you will enjoy. Check out Cups and Teas by Stacia. She makes all kinds of great custom stuff. Um, All the shirts that you see that I've made or that she... When I say made, I mean I created them in my head and she made them for me. And uh, all that stuff... She does for me, and she does an amazing job, the stickers, and she does all kinds of fun stuff. So if you want something custom-made, make sure that you hit her up. also want to give a shout-out to D-Cure for making my ending theme song for me. I hope to get this guy on again here real soon. I know he has some stuff that's come up that maybe we're going to have to push back him coming on the show again. But I want to get him on in this next year because he's come out with all kinds of great music, and I'd love to talk to him about that. Also, want to say thank you to Original Geek Comics for allowing me to be part of their Paladin comic book. Um, they gave me a full-length ad in that comic. I'm going to be doing something really cool with them uh, come around February. So, uh, not going to really talk about it too much yet, but just be looking out for a joint project between Original Geek and If You Give a Dad a Podcast. I've got a lot of fun stuff planned in this next year. 
Also want to say thank you to Diamond State Wrestling for allowing me to be part of their family. Um, if you enjoy indie wrestling and you're looking for something amazing to watch, go look them up, diamondstatewrestling.com, or you can look them up on YouTube on their Diamond State Wrestling page. You can also find the Rare Cut, which I was originally part of, uh, but now Jake and Jamie are doing that show, and it gets you up to date with everything that's going on with Diamond State Wrestling. But keep watching what they have going on. They have amazing content, and I'm excited to see what this next year brings when it comes to Diamond State Wrestling. So you hear me talk about social media. You hear me say this every week. Go out there and follow me on social media. Uh, just look up if you give a data podcast on any of them and you can find me there. I am so close on two uh, different platforms to hitting 1,000 followers when it comes to Facebook and when it comes to TikTok. I am almost to 1,000 followers on both of those. So if you're not following me on there, make sure that you go and follow me. On there, I will have a link tree at the bottom of my show notes uh, that you can follow and find all of my social media on there. Also, if you want to send me an email, send it to giveadatapodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you guys. In fact, this episode uh, was somebody requesting Travis to be on the show. So if uh, you guys want to request somebody to be on the show, just reach out. Send me an email. Send me a message on Facebook. I will try my best to get that person on my show. I've got some big ones that are coming up that have already been scheduled for this next year that I'm extremely excited about, and I think you guys are really going to find these as to be a treat. This first month in January, the ones that I have scheduled, um, it's a mixture. There's all kinds of great stuff that's going to be going on there, and I think you guys are going to have a blast hearing all of these. But as you're listening right now, make sure that you go out there and you rate and review this episode. Tell me what you think about it, whether you like it, whether you don't. Leave me a five-star review if you like it. Um, also, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to this and hit the notification bell. That way you are notified the next time something comes out for iCadap. But like I said, go out there, rate this episode, review it, tell me what you think of it. The more people that give me a five-star rating, the more likely I am to be discovered by somebody else who would love to hear this show too. And as I've always said, I believe this show is for everybody. So make sure that you share this with everybody around you. So we have come to the end of the very last interview episode of the year, and it is time for Billy's favorite part of the episode, and that is Dad Joke of the Week. <laughs> Why couldn't the sailor finish the alphabet? He kept getting lost at sea. <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Oh, that was funny. Woo, that was too funny. Ah. All right. I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. Bye.
I'm in my room rounded, but I got a podcast on. He calls us beautiful people, then tells us who we have on. The best part of my day, though we're blocked out in my pods. Tell my friends all about it so that they follow along. And the host is kind of nerdy, but guess what I am as well. I don't feel so alone, and I began walking out of my shell. Heard a story, I need a connection I haven't felt. I'll be looking for the next one, tell them farewell. It's the podcast for me. Have it on better go see. And listen closely. Download and tune in remotely. It's the podcast for me. Have it on better go see. And listen closely. Download and tune in remotely. This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Alright, cool. Sweet. Baby Jesus. Okay, cool.